Hey guys, Adam from Splendid Sports, back for another Mickey Mantle Monday. The card that you see here on the mat, I'm gonna talk more about it at the end of this video. I felt it was a fitting card to show based on what the topic's gonna to be here. This is a response to John Mangini's video that he posted yesterday, I believe, or Saturday, over the weekend. He posted a video laying out his case as to why Mickey Mantle is the second best center fielder in Yankees history behind Joe DiMaggio and why Joe DiMaggio is a superior, was a superior player and had a superior career to Mickey Mantle. Now, first off, John, great job. Hard to argue with any of that. And you know, if you look at the comments in that video, it's it seems pretty overwhelmingly in favor of your argument. Everyone pretty much agrees with you. Uh, but I did wanna throw a couple points out here to the to the debate. If you've watched my videos before, you may know I'm a Mickey Mantle collector, uh, but I do wanna throw in a couple stats that John left out to spur on the debate maybe a little more. And look, we're talking about Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, two of the greatest baseball players ever. It's kinda like if you said, who would you rather have, Mike Trout or Griffey Jr. as your center fielder? I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. These type of debates, are a great part of the YouTube community, in my opinion. It's one of the best parts because these are the things that, you know, people in, in your real life don't really want to talk about most of the time. So it's good to be able to do this here. Here's a, here's a few stats and a few things that I wanted to mention. Number one, Mickey Mantle's career on base percentage, 0.421. DiMaggio, 0.398. So Mantle with a higher on-base percentage. This is a very interesting stat. Did you know Mantle only grounded into 113 double plays in his entire 18-year career, whereas DiMaggio, look, he didn't ground into a ton either, but he grounded into 130, so more than Mantle in just 13 years of a career. Uh, well, I think Willie Mays is like 250. Now he played longer than, um, than Mantle. But uh, I always thought that was a very interesting stat uh, that Mantle very rarely grounded into a double play. Uh, another one here, again, advanced stats. I understand they're not for everyone, me included. I'm not big into them, but OPS plus is, it's a, it's a very well-respected stat. Um, so, and this just kind of leads into what you may have heard is that the advanced stats, they really, really favor Mickey Mantle when you look at his career. Uh, his career average OPS plus was 172, whereas DiMaggio's was really good too, but it was only 155. That, um, I think that's, that's an important note to put in there. There's also something, I saw this recently. Now, take it with a grain of salt. I, although the numbers are correct, I looked at them. Um, this was in a Facebook uh, Mickey Mantle fan group. So, um, But this was a post that I just saw recently. I wanted to read it here. Uh, Mickey's career OPS plus was 172, like I just mentioned, and he had three seasons over 200. For his 10-year prime, he put up 188 OPS plus on average from 1955 to 1964. In his first full 13 seasons, 52 through 64, he put up a 180. No one among his peers, not even Aaron and Mays, were doing anything like that. Mays' best season in 1965, he put up a 185. Mantle averaged better than that for 10 seasons. He averaged 188 over 10 seasons. 
And Mays' single best season would have been the seventh best season of Mantle's career. Hank Aaron's best season was 194 and would have been the sixth best season of Mantle's career. And then, and then he says here, again, this is opinion, but Mantle was the greatest player in, in Major League Baseball during the 51-year period post-integration era up until the full PED era, so 48 through 98. That's his opinion. Moreover, he did something no player has ever done. He's a switch hitter who, for his career, averaged a 417 on base percentage or higher and a four, excuse me, 545 slugging percentage or higher from both sides of the plate. And during his prime, he got on base from both sides of the plate 45% of the time and slugged 600 or better. And then he closes it with, if we had analytics back in the 50s and 60s, Mantle's greatness and dominance of his era would have been far more apparent to us. At his peak, Mantle was worth nearly 1.3 runs per game in an era where combined scoring ranged from about seven to eight runs per game. So again, some of that's opinion, but that's pretty impressive when you when you really put it that way. So I wanted to mention that. The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, not sure if you guys haven't read this book, this book here uh, by Jane Levy, it's called The Last Boy, came out pretty recently. I read this book and what I like about this book is like this Facebook group here, it's a Mickey Mantle fan group. It's all, you know, I mean, it's mostly guys who just are huge Mantle fans and he could do no wrong type thing. It actually says on the the head of the um, Facebook group, no mentions of Jane Levy's book because this book is not just, um, you know, a butt kissing book like some of the other ones of Mantle are or some of the some of the documentaries have been that, you know, they paint Mantle in a in a light that it's not really accurate. You know, he's a human being. He, that's part of the allure of Mickey Mantle is that he was a flawed, flawed guy, flawed character. But anyway, in this book, on page 431, it says, Bill James was a security guard. You guys, I'm sure you're familiar with Bill James. Uh, he was a security guard at the Stokely Van Camp Pork and Beans Factory in Kansas when he pioneered a formula for runs created that assessed credit for each run produced. 30 years later... Time Magazine named him one of the most influential people in the world, and the Red Sox put him in their front office. You guys probably know that. In 2001, he unveiled a new formula for win shares. Again, I know everyone's not into the advanced stuff, but this is important. An, an extrapolation of runs created that calculates a player's contribution to every victory. The system compares players at different positions as well as players of different eras, enabling fantasy baseball to expand into uncharted hypothetical territory. According to his calculus, Mantle should have been the most valuable player nine times, not the three times that he actually won the award. He led or tied the American League in win shares every, win shares every year from 54 to 64, except 63 when he played only 65 games. When Cyril Morong, an economist turned sabermetrician, extrapolated win shares per at-bat, Mantle finished second only behind Babe Ruth. So there you go. Again, take it with a grain of salt. But um, I thought it was a a cool thing there um, to note. Again, it's I don't think it's as clear cut. I mean, it seemed like I mean, based on the John's video and the comments, it's like it was like not even a question. But I mean, I think it's a good it's a good debate, and I don't I don't really see a clear answer. But I do think it's maybe Dimaggio had the better career stats, and maybe he was a better player. I mean, I didn't watch either guy play. It's hard to say that. Uh, I don't ever feel confident talking about like how great 
players of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, or even before that, were because they never watched him. I feel like unless you really like like when I grew up watching players in the you know the 90s and the 2000s, I feel like I can assess them pretty well uh, be, because I rooted for and against them, and it was in in big games and. I just, I watched a lot of it, so I feel like I'm much more equipped to rank players or whatever um, from eras where I actually watched. So I'm not going to claim to know, like, it, clearly, oh, clearly, you know, Mantle was better or Dimaggi was better, because I never saw him play. I've just seen clips, and we look at the numbers, we can look at the, the standard numbers or the advanced numbers, but the bottom line is they were, in my opinion, you know, top 10 players of all time, both of them. Uh, you can rank that within and maybe even put one or two of those guys in the top five. Uh, but however you rank them, they're great players. And I don't think, though, the debate is as clear-cut as maybe you guys think it is or, or maybe in that video in the comments that at least to me it looked like people think it is. Um, but another thing, probably for me even more interesting than the debate of like who was a better player, uh, Rick Vintage Oddball Cards made a comment um, on John's video, and he said, uh, John, everybody agrees with you, which again, it seemed like everyone did, right? Uh, everyone agreed that Dimaggio was better, I think, that watched John's video, maybe maybe not me, but, uh, and he says, the question should be, why do they collect Mantle over over Joe D? And again, I, I do think that's a very interesting question. It's a, it's a question, uh, the broader question of why is Mickey Mantle the most expensive baseball player in the, in, in the hobby? to collect um, when, you know, if you look at the other sports, you know, basketball, Michael Jordan, in my opinion, the clear greatest of all time and his cards, generally speaking, sell for the highest prices. Uh, Tom Brady, same thing with football, Wayne Gretzky, same thing with hockey, uh, Pele with soccer, but with baseball, you know, I, I will definitely agree. M Mickey Mantle was not the greatest baseball player of all time. Um, you know, Babe Ruth or whoever you want to say, uh, but it wasn't Mantle. Okay, he, he could have been, but he wasn't. Uh, but unlike the other sports, Mantle's cards sell as if he was the GOAT in that sport. So it is a very interesting thing. And I've noticed over the last, you know, since I've really been following uh, the hobby on social media and YouTube, I feel like I, I have seen it so many times where, and in majority, it's I think a lot of it is people new to the hobby, younger people that don't understand why Mickey Mantle sells for the, the prices he does and why he's so popular uh, when, you know, he wasn't the greatest baseball player of all time. So I think that's a great question that that uh, Rick mentioned in the comments there. And before I give my opinion on that, um, I wanted to show a quick video clip here from the man himself. How much does it surprise you? this outpouring of affection now for you. You were always a very popular player, but it surged again now in, in the 80s and early 90s. I guess it's the uh, card, the bubblegum card craze. I don't know. I, I have no way of uh, knowing. Uh, I had one guy tell me one time what, what he thinks it is, is that uh, like DiMaggio and Williams and uh, those guys, they're kind of, you know, they're like a little older now. The guys that are in uh, in control now, so to speak, are guys like you that was kids whenever I was playing and now they're about 45 or 50 years old and they got kids and they tell them I've, I've had a lot of guys come through those bubblegum cards you know tears in their eyes and say Mickey it took me 30 years to get here you know I mean shake my hand I've been waiting all this time and then if they got a little boy like 
the last card show I was in, guy said to his kids, this son, that's the greatest baseball player that's ever lived. And the little boy looked at me and he says, daddy, he's an old man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, for some reason or other, and I guess that's what it is. In nine, I, I retired in 69 and from about 1969 to 74, when I went in the hall of fame, it was kind of like Mickey Mantle died. You know I mean? I went back to Dallas, Texas and we had Mickey Mantle country cooking and a couple of bowling alleys and stuff like that. But, uh, nothing seemed to be going good, you know, and, and it didn't make any difference where I went. Nobody cared, you know, and that wasn't, I have people too come through those lines and say, don't you get tired of signing your name, you know, or tired of this. And I sure don't. It's, it's really flattering, you know, and, uh, that they'd even want my autograph, you know, and, uh, then to brag on me and, and, uh, it's as flattering as it can be. And I don't get tired of, it. I really like it, but yeah. for some reason or other, it's, it, I have come back and it seems like now that I'm more, more popular, than I was when I played. So I, I thought that was a great video. Um, obviously we could, if you, if you think about that question, why is Mickey Mantle the most popular? Why do his card prices sell for the most? Uh, you know, obviously the, the 52 tops card plays a role that I think the timing of when he played is, is huge. He was the golden boy of the golden era, the fifties and sixties, whereas DiMaggio played before that. Uh, so Mantle just, it was the timing, it was the card, the 52 tops card that catapults all other Mantle cards and just catapulted him so far ahead in the hobby. But I think sometimes it gets overlooked, the aspect that, that uh, Mantle just talked about in that video, which is he really grew even more popular in, uh, in his post-playing days because of the hobby. And he really, I think more so... Then now, obviously, I wasn't at these card shows, but from what I've heard, he embraced card shows and becoming a collectible player and signing autographs and memorabilia uh, way more than some of his other contemporaries maybe did. And uh, just from hearing stories, he was a little more um, outgoing and a little more friendly, a little more engaging than some of these other guys maybe were at these card shows. And I think that is a big reason why he grew in popularity after his playing days and why he is the king of the sports card hobby. Also, I think there's a big difference between being a Mantle fan or, or Mickey Mantle homer, like honestly you see on in some of these Facebook groups where, you know, it's a little delusional, <laughs> but uh, there's a difference between that and what I think I've been, always been, which is a fan of the story of Mickey Mantle, the life story of Mickey Mantle. Uh, so like, you know, growing up as a kid, my dad, he did, part of the story of Mickey Mantle was not, he was the best baseball player ever. He was, you know, that was never part of the story. The story was he was the most gifted and skilled player ever. You know, he was the fastest ever to first base and he invented the tape measure home run. Uh, you could hit him from both sides of the plate. And then, you know, as a rookie, he hurts his knee. And then he goes through his career injured. And then the life part of it where he was convinced throughout growing, growing up and through his career that he was going to die before the age of 40 like his dad did and his uncles. So he didn't take care of himself. He, he lived a carefree life and made bad decisions and drank too much and, and didn't take care of his body. And then it becomes a cautionary tale of... He wasted some of his skill and talent and, and natural abilities that he was given. And so it's a story of what if or what could have been 
which sometimes is even more attractive of a story to, to follow and be interested in, a story of what could have been than a story of what actually happened. And then, you know, as he, he lives longer than he thought he ever was going to, he even has the famous quote, if I knew I was gonna live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. Uh, so it was, it was stuff like that where he was always just a very, um, from his interviews and things that I've read, he was a very like self-deprecating guy. He was not, um, you know, I'm sure he had an ego like any Hall of Fame baseball player, but he, he was not, it didn't seem like he had an ego of the likes of, let's say a Joe DiMaggio, who um, it's, I think, well known that one of the things after his playing career was over, anytime Joe DiMaggio was introduced anywhere, uh, he, he insisted that he be referred to as the greatest living player. Okay, so, you know, take that for what you want. But Mickey Mantle was a little, it seemed like he was a different type of guy where he was more self-deprecating, uh, maybe not as much of a narcissist or, or an uh, egomaniac as some of these other guys are, and um, more of a man of the people, so to speak, where, look, of course, he made, you know, there's some well-documented um, things that Mantle did that, are not good, okay? He he made tons of mistakes. He was drunk a lot of the time, and he was just, um, you know, didn't 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 do the right thing in, in a lot of cases. But in the in the end, he lives a lot longer than he thought he was going going to. In his final months or whatever, he, in some form, uh, many have said this that he becomes the hero that everyone always thought he was, but he actually became it in his final days. Um, you know, where he, he uh, spoke out about his alcoholism and he spoke out about um, organ donation. I've, I've read somewhere that they can attribute thousands of uh, lives saved from organ donation because of Mickey Mantle sharing his story and, and being so vocal in the final um, days about his, about his mistakes and owning up to it and not being too proud of a person to say the mistakes he made. Um, he was up, up front about them, and I think a lot of people benefited, and a lot of people loved Mickey Mantle even more after that. So, a couple questions, and it goes into this card here. The Who is the better player? That's a great debate. Uh, why is Mickey Mantle the most popular player? But here's a couple other questions, right? Especially with Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. Of those two, who is tougher? Who is the tougher player, Mickey Mantle or Joe DiMaggio? Who is the better teammate, Mickey Mantle or Joe DiMaggio? So to, to cap this off here, this card that I showed, I picked this one because this has always been one of the coolest images. Uh, what you have here is a 91 score insert. And this is a picture of Mickey Mantle and one of his bad influence buddies, Billy Martin, uh, apparently all ready to go out in the Big Apple. And this was part of um, a seven card insert series where, if you look on the back, another reason Mickey Mantle is the most collectible player ever. He's just got such a beautiful autograph. So this one here, uh, again, I don't think anyone knows for sure, but I read, I think it was on Baseball Cardpedia, that these autographed Mantle cards in 91 score are like one in every 30,000 packs. That's what they estimate the, <laughs> the odds to be. So this one here, the rookie, got a great signature on the back. And uh, I think it's fitting because it's a picture of Mantle 
off the field. And uh, I think it, it speaks to a lot of the history of Mickey Mantle. He, he, he did some all-time great things on the field, but a lot of Mickey Mantle's story and what makes his life so interesting is not just on the field, but his life off the field, how he grew up, his family history, how he died, how he acted off the field. So I'd love to get your opinions on, on all these questions. I think it's fun. So feel free to make a response to this. Feel free to leave comments and thank you for watching.